Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Rob Gronkowski with a huge announcement about his future. The Super Bowl is in South Beach February 2nd and Gronk will be there. We'll tell you why. Home and Home Radio.com Sports Original. We are brought to you by Zip Recruiter, the smartest way to hire. Check out Zip Recruiter, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. Mike Jones, USA Today, coming up in just a bit. What led to the Colin Kaepernick combine? And does he have a future in the NFL? Does he even want one? I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker is home in Pennsylvania. We've been sitting on pins and needles awaiting the big announcement from Rob Gronkowski about his future. He has until November 30 to announce a return to the New England Patriots. Now, keep in mind, the Super Bowl, as I said, in South Beach, February 2nd. Gronk will be there, and now we know why. Listen. Did someone say championship? We are not talking about S-B-L-I-V. We are talking about getting L-I-T. That's right, buddy. Drink up. Sippy, sip, sip. Bro, you have so much left in the tank. We need you back on the field this season, fighting for another ring. We're going to be world champs again, but this time of party. It's going to be the biggest rager Miami has ever seen. This is a bad game plan, bro. You're still in the prime of your partying career. Listen, this isn't just some club event. This is a festival centered around you. Featuring your favorite artists, amazing food, killer cocktails, Polynesian beach performers, and I even got the win in Vegas, the pop-up and encore beach club VIP section. We'll call it Grand Beach. Dancing, bikinis, partying. You belong back on the field. Blocking, scoring, spiking with elite talent. Don't worry. I already booked the best talent in the game. That's not right. Wait, the lineup is already booked. Who are we talking? You have a hero. Cascade, Diplo, Rick Ross, Florida, DJ Carnage, and my boy Blau. Okay, okay, okay. Maybe we call an audible, but just for this year. You heard him. We're taking our talents to South Beach. Now named Rock Beach. It's going to be the wildest big game weekend party ever. Hands down, ever. You guys ready for the first Rock Beach party ever? Get your tickets now before they sell out. Rockbeach.com. See you there. Oh, dear God, that is just awful. I love Flo Rida. Rick Ross is entertaining. That was painful. That hurt my head. I have a big headache to begin with this morning. You couldn't drag me near Gronk Beach February 1st in South Beach, my friend. But does this end all speculation that he wants any part of the football field? Are you happy 
about that? Well, it should be noted first that this changes things for me and you because that was awesome. And I am in. That was amazing. <laughs> Everything about that was amazing. It's why I love that guy. He is going to make so much money by simply going to a party and drinking. It's unbelievable. He's going to make more money probably than the guys that actually play in the Super Bowl. Everything about that and everything about Rob Gronkowski is amazing. I love that guy. As for whether or not he's going to come back, as I've been telling you, Dave, and you don't believe me, and I've told you a million times, he's not coming back. He was never coming back. All of this is just his way of staying in the conversation so that when he makes these announcements about CBD medic or about his Gronk party, that everybody's paying attention and everybody's listening. He is playing everybody, especially you, Dave Briggs, like a fiddle, and you're following for it, hook, line, and sinker. How can he come back to the Patriots and play in the Super Bowl if he just committed to be at this party at the Super Bowl? He can't. He's not playing anymore. I'm glad he's not playing anymore. He shouldn't play anymore. He's already done it all, won it all, made a lot of money, and now he's just making bank to eat CBD products and party. This guy is winning. I mean, Brady's miserable. Brady's like, we stink. I just, I'm just so frustrated. Gronk seems pretty happy to me. He seems pretty, he seems happier than Brady, that's for sure. It was that Brady frustration and sadness that gave me, well, I shouldn't say hope, but that led me to believe Gronk would return just for a couple of games, just because he would be the difference that the Patriots need, would probably be all they need to get back to a Super Bowl, and quite frankly, they might do it without him. I want nothing to do with this party. So I love Rob, Rob Gronkowski, love the personality. That was a brilliant hype video there. If you've ever been to one of these Super Bowl parties put on by a Rob Gronkowski or a Shaq or any big sports celebrity, they are the worst thing you can possibly go to at any Super Bowl spot. Here's what happens. You might snag some tickets. You might pay $100, $200. Some people pay three, dollars $400 for these tickets. They wait in line probably an hour, some even longer. They get inside. It's wall-to-wall, jammed, shoulder-to-shoulder, mediocre drinks, everybody holding up their smartphones to get pictures of whatever celebrity or famous athlete is in the party, some idiot puking in the corner. It is the worst Super Bowl experience you can possibly find. I got to tell you, brother, I don't want anything to do with that party. The music sounds intriguing. But you want in? Hell yeah, I want in. That <laughs> You just described my ideal night. I'm the one that they're trying to take pictures of. I'm the one that's like, yeah, yeah, what's up? No, in, oh. in all sincerity, the way you just described it, which is somewhat true, yeah, that's oh. that's not me. That's not me. I uh, I've been on a pretty good run, though, the last few years in terms of Super Bowl parties, and my wife comes down, 
and we've had a good time. We've been able to get to some some good events that have not not been like that, not the uh, pay-to-play events, if you will. Yes, it's those where you're paying to get in, where any average Joe can pay his way in. Stay the hell away, my friends. But nice to know Gronkowski is going to keep his brain intact and continue to tease us and continue to take a, a lot of money from companies. You're right. He is one of the most entertaining guys in all of sports. All right, quick break here. When we come back, Mike Jones, USA Today, had a lot of great insights about what led to the Kaepernick Combine. And uh, and we'll also get into the future of Colin Kaepernick. Does he get a spot in the NFL, Ross? It's going to be an intriguing several months regarding the future for Cap. You may ask, Dave. Will he get hired? Well, he would get hired if he was on ZipRecruiter because that's how Gretchen Hebner, the Codable co-founder, was able to find the tech artist, the game artist for her education tech company because ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates and you get them fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter and said she was impressed with how quickly she found qualified applicants. She also used ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter her candidates so she could focus on the best ones. That's how Gretchen found a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Will Colin Kaepernick get hired by an NFL team? That is the question that has dominated the last several days in sports. And Ross, I got a quick rapid fire for you. We're going next season. Teams that could use a quarterback. Obviously, Miami. Can you rule them out from the Kaepernick? No, I won't rule them out, but highly, highly unlikely. Cincinnati. Yes. Denver. Yes. You're ruling Denver out. Okay. Yes. Uh, if Philip Rivers is elsewhere, Chargers. Ooh, that's an interesting one. If they're trying to get people to come to the games and they're trying to get some attention, highly, highly unlikely, but I'm not going to rule that one out. Bears. Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. And the last one is the Tennessee Titans. No, that would shock me. That's a, that's not happening. I that's can rule a that bad one fit. That's a bad fit with the city of Nashville. There would be a lot of booze, a lot of lighting jerseys on fire and canceling season tickets. I, too, will rule that out. So what led to the Kaepernick Combine and what is his future regarding the NFL. Let's talk about it with Mike Jones, USA Today, host of the Mike Jones Football Podcast. Good to see you, my friend. Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. Let's let's turn back the clock a little bit before we get into his future and tell us 
what role Jay-Z played in setting up the Kaepernick combine? He definitely was beating the drum, guys. Um, you know, he took a hit when he joined forces with the league and he said, we're past kneeling. Um, and, and a lot of people thought that that was dismissive and that he was really just using this to his advantage. And when if he really was truthful and, and earnest about social justice, he would have been trying to get uh, Kaepernick back into the league. So I know he had multiple conversations with Roger Goodell about finding a way to get Kaepernick back in. And eventually, and I'm not saying that's the only thing, but eventually the league came to this conclusion, well, the league, Goodell. Um, he did this without a lot of input. A lot of high-ranking people in the league did not know this was going to be coming. Um, so Goodell came to the conclusion of, hey, okay, let's do this thing. Let's get him an opportunity. And yes, it was rushed in the way it was put together, but the talks have been going on for a while. All right, so Mike, the the genesis of this was Jay-Z pushing Goodell to do this. So then it would seem that the motive was to give Colin Kaepernick a legitimate opportunity or at least the appearance of a legitimate opportunity and not set him up for a waiver trap as everyone seems to think that this whole thing was about getting him to sign something. What are your thoughts? You kind of talked about the genesis of it. What are, what's your belief as to the motive? Well, the motive, obviously, the league wants this thing to go away. Um, I think Goodell is at the point where no matter how it went away, whether he's back in the league or it's done, um, you know what? Teams supposedly had been calling, and so they knew that teams were wary of it because of the backlash that could happen. League figures, okay, let's give them an opportunity. Let's give him an opportunity. Let's get this thing. Now, why did it have to come together so quickly? Why didn't they sit down and, and figure out the terms together and then announce this thing? I have no idea. And again, you can never just, I don't know if it's simple enough, simplistic enough to say, oh, this is all Jay-Z, or if there was something else um, behind Goodell's motives and then the Jay-Z push helped. Um, but it, there, this is so such a tangled web and both sides distrust each other. And I think that's why if you really don't trust somebody, you're looking for every little thing, like for a reason to to not trust somebody. Um, and I think that the the waiver thing, um, I've heard that it wasn't a whole really that much different than a regular free agent tryout one. Um, I'm trying to to get my hands on it so I can see for myself, um, but we'll see. Talking to Mike Jones, USA Today, host of the Football Jones podcast. You delve into this in depth. Is Colin Kaepernick the most divisive athlete of our times? And what was the reaction to you just writing a column about this? No, I, I, th I think he probably is. Um, I can't think of anybody right now uh, that would be more divisive. I mean, I had people hitting me up, you know, blasting me for because I said, even if you don't trust the league, this was your opportunity to get back in, change the narrative, flex on your, your critics um, and get what you want and still be able to use your platform. And a lot of people in the league feel like he blew that opportunity. So I had people coming at me saying I was an Uncle Tom, um, that I was a bootlicker for the league. I had people saying that um, I was wrong in saying that um, he deserved an opportunity still. Um, and then I had people saying that I was right on with my point. So there were so many people with so many different opinions. And I feel like 
if you already were anti-Kaepernick, nothing of this weekend changed anything. It probably just further strengthened it in your mind. And if you were pro-Kaepernick, nothing of this weekend changed anything. You just were more convinced that, yes, our guy has been done wrong and you can't trust the NFL. This was never about throwing. Yes, he went out there and showed he could throw footballs. We already knew he could throw footballs, but the league wanted to see if he could check off a bunch of specific boxes. Could he be flexible? Could he make it keep it all business? Could he answer tough questions? And he didn't trust them. And when he pulled his workout to the other location away from all those scouts, he didn't subject himself to um, that flexibility, to the questions that he was going to get during the interview session. And, and now there were a lot of people in the league who were kind of on the fence and now were turned off. Um, but again, I, I, no matter where you stand, your mind was not changed this weekend. So, Mike, one of my points from the weekend, and I want to get your reaction to it, everything you just described about the people calling you an Uncle Tom on one side and the people on the other side saying he doesn't deserve another opportunity, everything that happened this weekend, and I know that the Kaepernick – uh, hardcore supporters say, blame it all on the NFL and blah, blah, But just everything that happened, the polarization of the people responding to you, the scrutiny, the news networks, everything, isn't that as big of a reason as any as to why teams don't want to sign him as a backup quarterback to begin with? I mean, doesn't that on some level reinforce the hesitation, the trepidation that these teams have with signing him or even having him into their facility for a workout. No, you're exactly right. That's why people have been hesitant because, yes, there's tons of teams out there. If you look at their backup quarterbacks, they are trash. Um, and teams could use somebody with his athletic ability. Look, I know his last two years in San Francisco weren't very good, but when this guy's surrounded around talent, he can make a lot of plays. He can be effective. So why not give him a chance? Because you're scared of – everything else that comes with it, whether it's people, you know, not buying tickets, whether it's a bunch of media stuff, um, and, and you're not wanting to give power to somebody like that. Eventually, all that stuff would die down. But Ross, you know, in the NFL, they want conformity. If you're going to be really, really good, they'll look the other way on a lot of stuff. You know, I mean, Antonio Brown is a perfect example. Uh, you know, got his way out of Pittsburgh, got to Oakland, worked his way out of there, and the Patriots were willing to give him a chance because he's super talented. But eventually, it's just not worth the distraction and worth the headaches and everything. And I think with Kaepernick, a lot of people felt like, hey, if this guy was a Pro Bowl, All Pro quarterback, maybe we give him a chance. But he's, you know, people see holes in his game and feel like it's just not worth the headaches and everything. And when he had the opportunity this past weekend to show that he was all business, he still had to make a statement. And a lot of people feel like he was more committed to showcasing to the world than he was showcasing himself to future employers. And that's a reason why a lot of people wonder still if he really actually even wanted to play. Mike, I'm so glad you just said that last part. Because yesterday on this show, I said, look, I'm not going to say what Colin Kaepernick should have done. I'm just going to say that if I was in that position and I really wanted to play football, it was my number one priority was to get back in the NFL, I would have signed the waiver. I would have done the NFL's combine in front of 25 teams. Afterwards, I would have said, look, all that other stuff is behind me and uh, I just want to play football. 
Like I, that's what I would have done. And I get criticism from people. You know, this is the problem. Someone, uh, a person that's not of color should never put themselves in the shoes of someone that is, that is of color and blah, blah, blah. I'm not, I'm just saying what I would have done. What, what am I missing? Like if, if playing football is the number one priority, what am I missing, Mike, about not just going through the workout, signing the waiver, you already made the money from your first lawsuit or whatever, sign the waiver, do the workout and afterwards, just say what you know they want to hear rather than the owners and Roger Goodell need to stop running from the truth. Yeah, uh, you know, and look, I am 100% on board with everything he's trying to accomplish off the field. But, but the thing is this, anybody with half of a brain knows how to fake their way through a job interview. You say what you got to say, and, you know, once you get back in that uniform, do whatever, like I said, flex on them, make your statements, continue to use your platform for good, he could have done that. Even if he did not feel comfortable with that waiver, my issue was you saw that waiver ahead of time. You could have even Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, hey, everybody, I want you to know that these are the issues I have right here. This is why I'm not going to go to the workout. But now all you scouts who are in town, you have adequate time to get over to this location. I still want to do the interviews. I still want to talk to you guys. I still want to showcase. Um, instead of just the quick you know, stunt switcheroo where there were fans and security already set up there well ahead of time, which it took, if he was really going to just, it was last minute, all that stuff wouldn't have been in place, but it was a power move for him because he didn't trust the league in their power move. And so that's why I'm disappointed because I felt like, and talking to a bunch of people, players, executives, scouts, people who did want to see him back in the league felt like if he had to play this thing right, he could have worked his way back into the league and then he could have had his Ali moment um, and, and and really continued to do more good. Mike Jones with this USA Today Football Jones podcast. Check him out on iTunes. What do you think? Does Colin Kaepernick want to be an NFL quarterback? Would he rather be a martyr? I have no idea. Um, I think that he would like to be in the league. I think he wants to be in the league on his terms. I think that there's a lot of distrust and maybe he feels like, you know what, they were never really serious about this because if they were serious about it, it wouldn't have taken three years. And since they're they're out to get me, I'm just going to make my statement, put myself out there, let everybody, let the world see. You know, I would not have handled it that way. Um, you know, and again, even if I saw that waiver and wasn't comfortable with it, I would have gone about the switch in a different way. Um, but Again, it just seemed like he's determined to continue to stand on his message um, more earnestly than he is on trying to get back into the league. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast yeah i mean mike i guess that would be my my last reaction would just be it seems like i know he's getting paid a lot of money by nike um you know he had a nice fancy water bottle that everybody got in the picture of him drinking with it's almost like you know he he figured out a way where he get a lot of attention for nike and i guess i just wonder is he more into monetizing the cause if you will because it seemed like i know people have said it was a publicity stunt but the way everything was set up with the fans and the camera crew and everything i almost feel like next step is there's going to be like commercials about this and it's going to be just be about it or something like that. I mean, do you feel like it, it ultimately they made the decision to kind of monetize the movement as opposed to become a player? I, I don't know. Um, again, there's a lot of distrust on his part. And maybe he feels like they weren't ever really going to give me a shot. So since they're not, I'm going to make sure that, okay, at least the film is out there of me doing this. Um, it continues to get me in front of fans. I can get my voice, my message out there. But the thing is that my issue was he didn't take questions afterwards, even from the media. He made a statement, but if you were truly into transparency and continuing to get your message out there, take some questions. Um, you know, just briefly, you know, continue to get the message out there. Um, but he didn't do that. Um, and and so that's why there's a lot of I'm I'm scratching my head. Um, and maybe he feels like, look. The only way he could really win in this is to get back into the league and win a Super Bowl. Because if he never steps foot on the field and he's just a backup, then the critics are going to be like, oh, see, he wasn't in the league all this time because um, he wasn't any good. Um, so maybe he feels like, hey, I've just got to get out there, continue to get my message. Um, I don't know. Again, I think that he would like to be in the league. I think there's a part of him that I just wonder if he's gotten bad advice on how he's approaching this. Um, but he is determined to continue to get his message out there and use the platform, whether or not he's in the NFL. And I think basically he was like, look, I've got my platform. I don't need the NFL. I would like to be in there, but I don't need you guys. 
Yeah, that would echo a New York Times piece that came out over the weekend that said he no longer needs football and certainly uh, looms large over this right now, how much he wants it. Last question, Mike, is you also wrote a piece about Tom Brady and Father Time catching up with him and how he was uh, melancholy and, and, and out of sorts and quick with reporters after Sunday's, you know, win, but offensive struggles for the Patriots. And in your piece, you write uh, what the Patriots always do, tinker, tinker some more and figure things out, but there's no denying legitimate uncertainty hangs heavy right now. All that being said, would you still say the Patriots are the odds on favorite to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl? And what does all this tell you about Tom Brady's plans for next season? I would say because of their defense, you still have to count them as a favorite. I know Lamar Jackson gave them a bunch of headaches, and they're probably still having nightmares about that. Bill Belichick, in a rematch, because he's the master strategizer, I think he probably would give uh, Lamar Jackson um, some headaches as well. In return, he would probably find ways to contain him some. Right now, the Patriots offense, they don't have anybody outside of Edelman that can consistently win one-on-one matchups. Brady is used to having Gronkowski, who's going to command a double team, uh, Edelman, who's going to command a lot of attention, and then that opens things up for a lot of other guys. Now there's nobody like that. It's a struggle for him. So when you look at their offense, they're averaging 33 points a game against you know bad teams. When they're playing quality opponents, 500 or better, they're averaging 17 points a game. That's kind of scary because you're going to go up against quality teams when you get into the playoffs. So I think because of their defense, they still have a chance, but I don't feel nearly as confident in them as the pick for the AFC representative in the Super Bowl as I did early this year. But it's amazing. As down as they are, <laughs> you can't get anybody to say, yeah, yeah I, I probably think they find their way down to South Beach on February 2nd. Mike Jones, USA Today. Check out the Football Jones podcast on iTunes. Good to have you, my friend. Thanks for the time. Thanks, guys. I'll see you soon. All right, indeed we will. Let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll talk to uh, attorney Darren Heitner and author of How to Play the Game about the Colin Kaepernick situation. What about that waiver? And did he waiver goodbye to his future NFL opportunities? Quick break here and back with the legal side of the Kaepernick combine when we come back. Can we now waver goodbye to Colin Kaepernick's NFL future after the Kaepernick Combine was moved 60 miles from the Falcons facility, didn't want to sign a waiver, wanted the media in, wanted to control the narrative, and now the narrative looks like he does not get a shot in the NFL, at least in the short term. So what happened? What's the legal backdrop to the drama on Saturday outside Atlanta? Let's talk to sports attorney Darren Heitner, founder of Heitner Legal, the author of How to Play the Game. Darren, thanks for coming on. Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. Can you give us some insight about what happened with this waiver, how different it was from the standard waiver the NFL always asks players to sign before a workout? Well, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. Um, this was an atypical situation from the very beginning. You had the NFL make an announcement, and there were a mere five days between that announcement and when this workout was supposedly going to occur. And we find out a mere one hour prior to that scheduled workout that it's not going to happen at all, and that, in fact, Colin Kaepernick's going to be participating 
at a non-NFL-sanctioned uh, workout at a local high school miles away from where it was supposed to occur. And as you mentioned, it essentially is at least being framed as boiling down to a waiver. We'll probably never know whether that's a red herring or whether, in fact, that truly is what caused an impasse between the parties. But what we do know is that Colin Kaepernick desired a very short, concise, and specific waiver. And the NFL wanted a thorough, much longer waiver that included uh, very broad uh, language that would essentially relieve them from any potential claim that Colin Kaepernick could possibly bring. Now, we have a war of words. Colin Kaepernick's team says that they were concerned that if you read into the language, it's clearly uh, waiving any rights to bring employment-related claims, while the NFL has somewhat silently taken an opposite stance, saying that's ridiculous. This was simply related to being brought in waiving any claims that Kaepernick may have had relating to physical injury at the uh, scheduled workout. In essence, what it would boil down to is whether Kaepernick would essentially be waiving all of his rights with regard to potential future claims against the NFL on collusion. Remember, this is a man who previously filed a grievance against the NFL concerning collusion. And I wouldn't think that the NFL is wrong to treat this situation a bit differently than a normal workout because it's providing an opportunity to somebody who previously sued the league. Now we can go further and deeper in questioning why is the NFL doing this at all, potentially establishing new precedent. I mean, it's never really provided this opportunity from a league standpoint to a player in the past, but um, as far as the waiver itself, you certainly had a dispute over the form. And I guess because there was such a short amount of time, that being five days, there wasn't uh, the proper amount of time to really flesh this out, and ultimately you saw there was an impasse. So here's what I don't understand, Darren, and maybe you can explain it to me. You know, he filed the grievance, he and Eric Reed, they settled that grievance supposedly between $1 and $10 million or whatever. Correct me if I'm wrong, but anytime you do something like that, where there's a grievance or a lawsuit or whatever, isn't part of that you signing away your rights to be able to sue again later? Like, I'm I'm thoroughly confused as to how the NFL is worried about him suing when they already settled. And when they settled, why would they not settle in a manner that didn't allow him to have a, a, an additional collusion lawsuit? That's a great question. So... In essence, what the, the language that the NFL was putting into its release and waiver for this tryout includes a lot of language that is very standard in a release that's attached to a settlement agreement, similar to the settlement agreement, I'm sure, that Kaepernick signed with the NFL relating to his grievance. And that language includes release of any and all known and unknown claims that could have been brought against the parties. It, it never or rarely waives the right to bring future claims for future acts. And so I, would, I, I strongly believe that the agreement that was signed between Kaepernick and the NFL to settle the grievance would not have included language 
that would prevent Kaepernick from suing the NFL in the future should the NFL in, and its teams engage in collusive acts. And so that would be where the concern is on Kaepernick's side and also on the NFL side with regard to the language in this particular release. But really, Darren, I mean, if, if, he, if the top priority for him was playing in the NFL again, I've seen multiple Twitter lawyers. They're real lawyers. They're just on Twitter. You are too, I know. But I've seen multiple lawyers on Twitter say he should never have signed this waiver. Uh, Florio said it would be malpractice, blah, blah, blah. I guess I got to tell you, Darren, I was also told I shouldn't sign a waiver on my back when the Falcons wanted me to sign an injury waiver on my back. But I would have because I really wanted to play. I mean, at some level, if the top priority was playing football again in the NFL, then the waiver really wouldn't be that big of a deal, and, and you would just sign it, right? If your top priority was really playing football and not maintaining the ability to sue again in the future. You and I are aligned on that particular point, and I think that's being lost in the shuffle. You know, if in fact, it's hard to, to dive deep into this and really understand what the priorities were for each party. I, I truly don't quite get why the NFL was uh, involving itself in something like this. But if Colin Kaepernick's goal, if his ultimate goal was to play again in the NFL, then certainly he needs to understand, he and his representatives, that he lacks leverage in this situation. There's been three years where NFL teams could call him and his representatives up at any point in time and work him out. That just simply did not occur. And here you have the NFL basically providing an olive branch with all of the teams indicating a willingness to either attend or look at the film. And so he's given this opportunity, if in fact he wants to play, to showcase his talents in front of the decision makers. So he gained some leverage in the sense that the NFL provided him this platform. And it appears that he used that leverage instead of for an effort to, to truly try to become a part of a professional franchise, instead utilizing it to broker further deals with Nike, which was supposed to be using content for, for a further film uh, or, or advertisement, um, you know, wearing some new sneakers and putting himself back in the spotlight where all of us are now talking about him again. Again, not because he's exhibiting his skill on the field, but instead because he's a controversial subject. So I do wonder whether there was some sort of other motive that was more advanced than, than performing for an NFL team. Because, again, he lacked the leverage here. He should have, from, from my reading of, of the waiver and the release, I would have had a hard – I would have explained the nuances to him. I would have told him – that it may not be the best form possible, but I'd explain the positives and the negatives. And if, in fact, you want to play in the NFL, I'd probably recommend that he signed it and performed at the, at the workout. If you were his attorney, and we're talking with Dar Darren Heitner, the founder of Heitner Legal and the author of How to Play the Game. So that all being said, from your vantage point, if you were representing Colin Kaepernick, do these seem like the actions of someone who wants to return to the NFL or likes his view and likes his role and likes being a martyr? 
You know, I don't doubt that he wants to play again in the NFL. And again, I say this as somebody who has not spoken with Colin Kaepernick, but has simply observed the acts that have taken place, just like the two of you. Um, you know, but that said, I think that he, he believes that his purpose is much higher and, and, and that he has a bigger purpose than being a talented um, teammate on an NFL franchise. I think he believes that he can use his platform to provide greater rights to a certain class of individuals. And so he doesn't want to be seen in any way as a sellout. He wants to be seen as somebody who's really um, a game changer and, has, and, and is able to beat the NFL, something that, you know, the union is often criticized and not having enough power to collectively bargain proper rights for the players. So he, he's trying to show that as an individual, he can, he can do the same or that he can do something that the union cannot. Um, you know, again, if, if, I, if, if I were his lawyer and if, in fact, his ultimate goal was not to be a martyr but instead to play in the NFL, I'd sit down with him and, and I'd, I'd sincerely explain to him that he needs to understand he's not in a position where he has the leverage to tell the NFL that they have to accept his version of, of a release when the NFL provides a release that, in my estimation, really wouldn't have caused him to, to waive employment-related rights. It was simply a very extensive and broad release that protected the NFL. And look, the NFL is dealing with someone who's highly litigious. So I understand the reticence on the NFL side and, and the insistence that, that its form be adopted. Darren, uh, sort of transitioning here, speaking of the NFL and how they go about things, I guess I just have a general question when it comes to the NFL and any legal issues they have with players like Colin Kaepernick or anyone for that matter. Is there a, a rhyme or reason in the timing for them as to when they actually investigate people? Because I guess I'm always wondering why they don't do it right away, but there's got to be some logic or reasoning that I'm missing. Is this a broad question with regard to any investigation whatsoever? Correct. Any NFL <laughs> investigation, it seems like sure. it's always like, a while later that they end up interviewing whoever it is, whoever, you know, unless it's like an on the field thing, it seems like it, there's always a, a, a lapse of time. Well, anyone that's familiar with the workings of the NFL and the collective bargaining agreement, I believe has an appreciation that commissioner Roger Goodell essentially serves as judge, jury and executioner. Um, and again, it, it's largely a bargain for process between the union and the commissioners often the teams um, oftentimes the union is much more concerned with regard to getting a larger revenue share and some of these other issues that are very important become um, you know sort of type B issues that never really are, are, are addressed properly but with that in mind it really comes down to this extensive power in the commissioner's office to essentially govern the process by which these investigations take place with very little guidance as to whether or not things need to move swiftly. And so I personally believe as somebody who works with many players um, and many agents that 
it's oftentimes used, the, the lack of urgency on the commissioner's office side is often used as uh, a pressure point, uh, knowing that it can cause indirect harm to a player based on uh, the lack of diligence or speed in, in pushing along these types of investigations. And ultimately, it can cause a player to lose out on a particular season. I mean, teams are, are reluctant to sign a player if the player can be put on the commissioner's exempt list for, for certain, because obviously then the player is not allowed to play. Meanwhile, the team has an obligation to pay the player. So that's a, that's a big losing situation for the team. Alternatively, if the player is going to be suspended while the team may not have to pay the player, it's still not advantageous for the team to be signing the player and going through that process if the player can't play. So, the player oftentimes is in purgatory while these investigations take place. And the slower that these things progress, um, I would say the more the player is prejudiced. Fascinating insight about the legal process and how that might apply to some very high-profile NFL players this past season. Talking to Darren Heitner, founder of Heitner legal how to play the game he's the author of that book as well uh darren want to ask you about the situation surrounding miles garrett a lot of questions after he swung that helmet miles uh, mason rudolph's helmet if he could be charged with a crime why is he protected from that and could mason rudolph sue in civil court so first of all I do not believe that he is shielded from any sort of criminal activity. If the prosecutor wanted to take a case against Miles Garrett, he or she could. Um, my belief is that Miles Garrett took a, what is normally used as a helmet, turned it into a weapon, and at least attempted to cause severe damage uh, to Mason Rudolph. And there's no place for that within the game whatsoever. And, and I would argue that it's so outside the scope of what is expected in an NFL game that it would not be any sort of protected act. Now, the likelihood of a prosecutor taking this on and formally filing charges against Miles Garrett, I believe, is slim. Oftentimes, you look to the individual who was harmed in the situation and whether or not that individual files a police report and seeks to... Um, cause a prosecutor to take action. And here it does not appear that Mason Rudolph is interested in that whatsoever. And just based on precedent alone, it's very rare for a prosecutor to take action for acts that occur within a game. Um, again, it's not to say that it's impossible, but it's unlikely. As far as a civil complaint is concerned, look, any single individual in the United States of America can file a civil action against another individual or corporation. And so Mason Rudolph absolutely could sue uh, Miles Garrett for causes of action such as assault, battery, or even intentional infliction of emotional distress. Now, I believe Mason Rudolph has already come out and said he will not do that after his agents mentioned that they were looking into uh, any and all potential claims. But look, if there was a, a an an intentional touching that was offensive on Mason Rudolph, which there was, that's battery. If there was this intent to 
hit him and there was uh, an apprehension of fear, um, assault. I mean, you could, you could actually come up with solid causes of action. I think the difficulty ultimately, if in fact Mason Rudolph would sue from a civil standpoint, would be assessing damages. Um, thank God he was not struck uh, or he was struck with uh, the, the white, it appears, the white padding on the helmet and did not suffer any damages. But you know, if, if that swing would have occurred slightly differently, that could have been severe damage, and certainly a civil lawsuit could have been filed. There, there's case law out there based on these types of acts or, or different acts that occur in and around the game. Um, and to an extent, courts have ruled that players assume the risk that are, that's incurred on the field of play. I think this was so outside the bounds of what's expected that an assumption of risk argument would fail. Great insight from Darren Heitner, founder of Heitner Legal, author of How to Play the Game. Really appreciate the time. Excellent stuff, man. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. All right, come back and see us next time. We have more legal questions surrounding the sports world, which there are a lot of stories that cover that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll switch over to baseball. And the Astros must be happy it is football season because somehow the sign-stealing scandal, bad as it is, is still largely off the radar because it's all football all the time. We'll talk about it with a former Astros pitcher, a World Series champion with the Philadelphia Eagles, Philadelphia Phillies, and my Little League teammate, Brad Lights Out Lidge, after a quick break here on Home and Home. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com. 